Amen. It is a beautiful day to gather in the name of the Lord. Church, amen. All right, some of you guys aren't awake, so we're going to do that again because I believe it is a beautiful day to gather in the name of the Lord today. Church, amen. It is, it is great to gather and worship in many ways online in the room. It is a joyful experience for me to gather with people united in Christ and sing Praises to a king who is so, so worthy. Amen. He's worthy of our praise, and we're going to continue in it today. We're going to continue in worship through the reading of God's word. And if we truly believe he speaks through scripture, we believe that he will speak to us through his scripture now, and he will honor that in the reading of his word and the worship and that. So if you believe that, say, all right, let's go. Let's go. All right, church. Man, we got some people. This side of the room's tracking with us today, all right? I don't know about this side of the room. We're going to prove them wrong. Prove them wrong, okay? Because they're kind of doubting you, so we got to prove them wrong today. But again, good morning, and I want to say a special shout-out to all the moms in the room, online, wherever you are. Whoo, man, you do way more than I could ever say thank you for. And a special shout-out to my mom. I know she's going to watch it. A hi, mom, to you. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Um... Moms truly are, for me, like in my experience, um, and a lot of moms I know here and online, you are the first experience of Christ's love um, in my life and in many others. So thank you for being that. Um, And families, I said this in the first one, I'm going to say it again. Families, give your moms a break today, okay? Kids, dads, don't ask mom where anything is. I know as men, like, we have trouble looking for things, and it's right in front of us. We're like, where is this? Oh, so-and-so, where is this? Don't ask her today, all right? Find it yourself. Kids, feed yourself. Whatever it is, give moms a break today. It is their day, all right? Happy Mother's Day to the moms. It's your day. You deserve it, all right? It's yours. But it's joyful to gather today and to celebrate moms and celebrate Um, that that Jesus is king and he is good and we find our strength and our hope in him. And so we're we're continuing in our Corinthian series. And if you've been with us for a while, you're like, man, how how many more more weeks is this Corinthian series? You're in luck. It's the last day. Today is the last day of the Corinthian series. And I'm really excited to be able to wrap it up and close it. And also, I feel like I personally have grown and learned a lot through this series. I'm really glad that we walked through it together from me studying to preach and from different people preaching and teaching through Corinthians. I feel like I have grown and learned a lot in God's Word. So today we're going to continue in that and really excited to just wrap it up and the next week be looking for our, our, our next series in Jonah. But before we jump in to the scripture today, because specifically we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have a copy of God's Word, you can turn there. It'll be on the screen too, so don't, don't freak out if you don't. There's also copies of God's Word in the back. You can have it and you can keep it. It's yours. Um, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we'll be today. But I want to kind of give us a preface to today's message. I want to give us a, a pre-word. Like this, this is important before we really dive in to today. We have to understand the context of what Paul is speaking here. So we know that First and Second Corinthians are letters written to the church in Corinth by Paul. And we have them nice, <clears throat> ooh, <clears throat> nice and broken up in chapters like chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And they make it easier for us to read and understand. And it's not as overwhelming as reading a long passage. But they're not necessarily, when he wrote it, weren't necessarily broken up like that. 
So when we read chapter 5 today, we need to take in the context of the previous chapters of what he's saying to the church because it matters in the statement he makes and the truth we will read today. We must take in the context in 2 Corinthians before we dive in. So we'll look and the truth we read today must flow out of Christ's love and what Christ has done. Above all, we must know that. What we read must flow naturally from Christ's love and his victory. It's been said in the chapter before, it's the start of this letter to the church, and 2 Corinthians is the start of this letter. This is Paul writing, and it's, it's leading perfectly into the truth that will be our main point today, but we need to know. I'm going to read a few quick verses from chapters 1 through 4 that really tie into this truth that it is all about what Christ has done that enables us today. So they won't be on the screen, just listen really quickly. I'm going to read them really fast so we can get a good context of what our truth, why it has power today. So 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 1, verse 9, Paul writes, We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God. In 1.12, he writes, We have depended on God's grace, not our own human wisdom. In 1.21, it says, It is God who enables us to stand firm for Christ. In 3, 5 through 6, it said, It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification, our qualification comes from God. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let there be light and darkness, has made light shine in our hearts, so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul also says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So the evident, evident theme leading directly into this truth today is that it is all about what Christ has done and the power of him. Nothing about what I have done or achieved, but everything about what Christ has done and what he enables me to be by the grace and love of Jesus. We have to take that into context. Because of what Paul writes in these previous chapters, these quick points we just read, we will read and see today our main thing we want to talk about is that we are ambassadors of Jesus. So that's it. We are ambassadors of Jesus. We're going to unpack that. We're going to look at what our qualification is, why we are ambassadors of Jesus. We're going to look at what our role as ambassadors is, what our message is to share as ambassadors. And we're going to, we're going to pull it all out of what Paul is talking about here and a little bit from some other letters he's written to other churches. I'm just going to read straight through verses 11 through 21 of chapter 5. Um, and then we're going to just break it down into these things of what an ambassador is, what it means, our qualifications. And so be looking for those as we read it. And then we're going we're gonna to throw them up on the screen as we walk through it. If that's cool with you, say that's cool. All right, some of you, it's not cool with. Why is it not cool? Uh, you guys don't want to read scripture? Is that cool with you guys? We're going to read it and then talk about it? That's cool? All right, there we go. Okay, some people are wanting to read scripture. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11, it says this. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather, having a sincere, rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, 
It is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. See, it's a pretty important thought that Paul keeps sharing. Christ's love controls us. Continuing in 14, he says, Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Just a few more in verse 19 says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There's a lot to go through there. We're going to take it, and hopefully you can be able to look at each of these verses and apply it to this thought that Paul's getting at of, we are ambassadors of Christ, empowered by his love. So first, just a thing, we are ambassadors of Jesus. Does anyone know what the term ambassador means? Anyone want to, like, shout it out? Come on. Anyone know what an ambassador is? A representative. See, come on, guys. You, th- there's no wrong answer here. I won't point you out and be like, ha, 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 dumb answer. Like, I'm not going to do that. I promise. You can type online, like, what you think an ambassador is. Because if you don't know, we're about to define it, okay? I didn't have a great understanding of it either until I used this wonderful thing called Google. I don't know if you guys have used it, but it has all of the information in the world. So I did a great Google search and a dive into kind of the Greek root of this word. I'm not going to try to pronounce this Greek word um, because I'm just going to look like a fool. Um, But it's spelled like this. It's P-R-E-S-B-E-U-O. If you would like that defined and spoken in clear sentences, talk to James after. He's fluent in Greek. He would love to have that conversation. Uh, I'm just kidding. It's always this expectation that pastors like know everything Greek or whatever it is. Um, I had to learn that myself. Um, So it's this Greek word, and it's simply translated in the time. They would use it in a context of an old man, an aged person, an elder, and the word we use, an ambassador. And here in Scripture as we read it, the word is a verb, and it means to be an elder or to work as an ambassador. So the basic idea is to function as a representative of a ruling authority. So ambassadors in ancient times, like it was written here, were usually older, experienced men. This Greek word would be used in the first century to describe the emperor's generals or governors of Roman province in the first century. So what would happen is is the Roman Empire was expanding and essentially conquering other nations. And once they would conquer and set it up, the Roman um, the the Roman general he would send ambassadors. He would send people. He'd say, "All right, you're going to go live in this land, and you will represent me there. You will represent my authority, our nation, in this place." And you, everyone will look to you for like what is being said from Rome. You represent us. So our simple definition here is an ambassador is a foreign representative of a ruling authority. And that will make more sense as we start 
to unpack and, and qualify what an ambassador is. So I want us to look at we, why we are called ambassadors of Jesus, our qualifications. So simply, we are ambassadors of Jesus because, first and foremost, Christ died for our sins. Paul starts before he even says you're an ambassador. He starts laying out the picture of the gospel in chapter 5. And in 15, we can go back and read. It said, Jesus, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And then he continues in 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And in another letter, another letter that Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul says, all right, before you even understand what it means to be an ambassador, you need to know that this is the first qualification. This is what gives you the title ambassador, because Christ Jesus paid your sins on the cross. I'm a new creation in him. That's my, that's it. That's my first qualification. So I'm an ambassador of Jesus because Christ died for my sins. We are also ambassadors of Jesus because we are citizens of heaven. So that gives us the idea when we have the definition of an ambassador is a foreign representative of a ruling authority, we need to know that we are foreigners here. As Jesus followers, we need to have a clear picture that our citizenship, our home, is in heaven with the Lord. And that we are here as his foreign representatives. And this gave me a good picture of like, okay, yeah, I think of like an ambassador in a new country. It's like, I am that ambassador. This is, this is not my home. And, and Paul lays that out in the beginning of chapter 5 and verse 6 of 2 Corinthians. He says, so we were always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not home with the Lord. He uses the words, we are not home with the Lord because we're here in these earthly bodies. He continues, says, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we were fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be home with the Lord. And he also writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting the return of our Savior. So Paul gives this beautiful image of our home is not here. Our citizenship where we belong, what we represent is God's ruling authority. We are home in heaven, and here we have been sent as a foreign representative. I think that idea when he writes that in Scripture ties well with people of the times, especially as the Roman Empire is expanding and these Roman principalities, they would connect the dots of like, yeah, that ambassador who's here who represents Rome, like he doesn't belong here. He's not our people. He's not from here, but he represents them, and so I think the connecting of the dots for me this week was, yeah, I'm definitely not from here. Like, I, I belong in heaven. My home is in heaven, so I represent him here, and it started to connect for me, and I hope it connects for you that we are ambassadors of Jesus because first and foremost, Christ died for our sins. Do not forget that part. That it is by Christ only that we can be called his ambassadors and that we are citizens of heaven, which qualifies us to be a foreign representative because we, our home is in heaven with him. So now that we know that qualifies us, I started looking at this as the picture of, if, if, has anyone in the room been applying for jobs recently or like they have in the past? 
it's like this crazy, not fun process. And like, you're just essentially trying to show like the best of yourself. I started thinking of it this way. If you thought of applying for the job that said ambassador, and you started thinking, okay, what would I have to do that? What would I have to do to present that? Like on my resume, I would have these qualifications. And so the resume I send in for this job that I cater to this job would be, these are my qualifications. Christ died for my sins, and I'm a citizen of heaven, so I qualify to be an ambassador. So that, that gets my resume in, you know, like I'm in there. I've, 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 I've got maybe the interview. And then I start to think, like, if I made it in, like, what would the job description be? You know, you sit in the interview, and they're like, here, these are your responsibilities. This is what you're supposed to do as an ambassador. So I started playing it out this way. Hopefully that helps, like, connect you with, like, okay, I'm called to be this ambassador. I have been made an ambassador by Jesus. Okay, I have this job now. What are, what are my duties? What are my titles? Like, what am I supposed to be doing as it? And I don't want this to be overwhelming for you to be, oh, I've got to be doing so much more, whatever it is. No, I want us to lay out a clear picture of what he calls us to so we can be confident and clear in him. So there's no confusion in what we were called to be and who we are in Jesus. So simply an ambassador of Jesus, Jesus' job description, Paul writes in verse 18 very clearly, all of this is a gift from God, talking about our salvation. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, this is it right here, this task of reconciling people to him. So that's job description number one. That's it. He has given us the task of reconciling people to him. You might not know that word. It's a weird word. I don't think I've ever used it in normal conversation before. If you have, you have great vernacular. That's, that's a fancy word, right? Like you have great vocabulary, whatever it is. I'm going to define reconciling for us to get a nice picture of it. Um, so we're called to reconcile people to Jesus. That's important for us to know here is he's not saying reconcile yourselves to each other, fix the relationships to each other. He's saying, no, we have been given the task of reconciling people to Jesus. So this word reconciliation involves a change in the relationship between God and man. That's what he's describing here. So essentially, there was a breakdown in the relationship. There was a break. But now there has been a change from a state of separation and brokenness that we created to one of unity and fellowship because of what Christ has done. So he's saying this word reconciliation is restoring this brokenness that, that we have created through sin. And it's Jesus bringing, back, bringing people back into unity with him by his act on the cross. It's this restoring of a relationship with Jesus. We are called to the ministry of reconciliation simply because it is what Jesus did. Paul follows verse 18 where he tells us we are called to the message of reconciliation with 19 where he says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So Paul's laying out, he's saying, if you don't believe me, this is how it was. There was a break in our relationship with God. We caused separation by our sins, but Jesus reconciled us to him. He made us right. He restored the relationship because he forgave our sins on the cross, no longer counting our sins against us. That's what Paul says there. And it says he gives us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
it's important for us to know today that we are not the ones reconciling people to Jesus. We are simply conveyors of the message of reconciliation. I can never do anything to make my relationship right with God, and I can never do anything to make someone else's relationship right with God besides informing them what Jesus has done on the cross. It's plain and simple. I am not the reconciler. I am the message of the reconciliation, of the restoring of the relationship that Jesus did. Know that, church. So we were called to be conveyors of this message. He gave us this wonderful message. And another job description, so we'll say job description number two for an ambassador of Jesus is, this might not make sense, but we'll read it in Scripture. It says, let God make his appeal through you. So you'll see that here. It's like, let God make his appeal through you. And that comes straight out of the scripture in verse 20, where Paul writes, So we are Christ's ambassadors, his representatives. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are simply his messengers, and we ask that he makes his appeal, his message, his truth through us. Not that it is our own or of our own power, but it is of what Christ has done and the truth he gives us. There's so much to the idea of being an ambassador, being a representative. An ambassador does not speak to please their audience, but they speak for the king who sent them. An ambassador does not speak on their own authority. Their own opinions or demands mean very little. An ambassador simply says what they have been commissioned to say. But an ambassador is also more than a messenger. They're also representing the honor and reputation of their country wherever they go. We are simply letting God make his appeal through us. We let him speak through and use us for his ministry of reconciliation, of making people right. We must be a vessel for his word and his truth. And we must then also know his word and truth. We can't be speaking it and sharing it if we are not familiar of what that truth is, of what that message of reconciliation is. And I think Paul knows that because he follows this directly with the message And so as ambassadors, this is our message we proclaim wherever we go. This is the message of an ambassador. And verse 21, very clearly, never make it anything but this. says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is all we shout. This is the message, the decree of the royal one who sent us that we carry and we say, check this out. This is fresh. This is, this is the truth. This is the word. What Christ has done, he has made you right. Christ was the offering for your sin so that you could be made right with God through him and him alone. He restored our relationship. He made it right. There's nothing we could have done. This is the message as God's representatives in a foreign land that we were called to share. And Paul says we were called to share it without judgment because in verse 16 he says we've stopped evaluating people by human point of view because we used, to, we used to judge Jesus by that and look how wrong we were. He's like, no, 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 this is, this is without our point of view because if I start judging who deserves this message and this truth, then I start questioning, I probably didn't deserve this truth or this message. 
I'm the least to deserve it, so I can't be judging who should receive this truth. And I think for me, that's where the beauty of the gospel really kind of sat heavy with me this week. Because we have this idea of what an ambassador is. And if, and if you're like me, I think of like a really fancy person. Does anyone else think of like they picture a very fancy person when they think ambassador? Yeah, you think of someone like with a suit and probably like a really nice briefcase and a really nice watch or whatever it be. And you know that they're clean and they're put together because they're going out and they're representing this country. And you see them and you're like, they've got connections. They're the best of the best from that country. They represent it and they're clean. They're put together as well. It's like I started to, to think about, okay, if Christ is calling me his ambassador, and this is the image I have of what it's supposed to be, I'm like, I really do not fit that picture. I don't know about you, but I started to kind of think, I'm kind of like the, uh, the ambassador that everyone jokes about. They're like, man, this guy is the best that this country has. Like, look at him. Can't even wear real shoes. He's got Crocs on. Things like that. You know, I started thinking, now everyone's looking at my Crocs. Yeah, best shoes to wear, I promise you. But, like, I start to question myself, and I start thinking, God, you surely have not called me to be an ambassador. You've called this other person that speaks from stage, or this other person that leads from worship, or this person that I think is so holy. I'm like, they're your ambassador. I'm, I'm just not it. And the beauty that Jesus just smacked me in the face with this week was that is the gospel, that I was once not worthy to be in his presence in scripture, you read it, it's like, I'm not worthy to be in the throne room of the king. I'm not worthy to be called his. I'm not, worry, I'm not worthy to tie the strap on his sandal. I'm not worthy at all. It says, but Christ came while you were unworthy, and he has called you worthy. He has taken you from a place that was far away, and he has brought you very near in his presence. He has grabbed you, picked you up, run you over here, and he says, you are mine. You are holy. You are righteous. You are my royal ambassador. Not by anything you have ever done, not by your accomplishments. You don't have to be put together. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be all of this. He says, I met you where you were in your brokenness and in your sin and your faults, and I have made you holy and royal as my ambassador. So for me, I just kind of took a breath out this week and I said, Jesus, oh man, I don't deserve this, but you call me holy, you call me worthy, you have brought me near and you've wrapped me up in what an ambassador is. You have said, I am covering you in Jesus and he is my representative to this world. He was and is and is to come. And you are now too. Because you are completely wrapped in what I have done for you. So church, I want you to take a breath. Go, I don't got to be it. Because he is it. He has made me it. He has made me the ambassador. He is your qualification. He makes you holy and righteous and royal. Don't feel like you got to be this perfect person in a suit that shows up on Sunday with the most wonderful week. Life's not like that. It's hard. 
This is difficult. We feel broken and defeated. We fail. But the beauty of the gospel, what we read here is what Christ has done is that in that, he calls you holy. He calls you righteous. He calls you my child. And he has sent you as his royal messenger with this statement of truth. We say, come back to God. Look, Jesus has reconciled you. Look at me. Look at me. I don't have it together, but look, I've been reconciled to Jesus. I'm worthy to be in his presence. I'm worthy to be called a child of God. Be encouraged with that today, church. I want us to be encouraged and reminded that as we talked at the beginning, as ambassadors of Jesus, Christ's love must control us. This is what Paul led up to in the previous chapters. And it's what he writes in verse 14. If you go back and look, he says, Christ's love controls me. If I seem crazy, if I seem out of my mind, if I seem in my mind to you, it's because Christ's love controls me. And nothing I am is outside of that statement. I like that Spurgeon put it this way. I read from him this week. It says, to say the love of Christ constrains or compels us is to say that the love of Christ has power. It has a force that can bind us and influence us. The love of Christ has pressed Paul's energies into one force, turned them into one channel, and then driven them forward with a wonderful force till he and his friends had become a mighty power for good, ever active and energetic. Because simply... Christ's love was the root of everything they were and everything they did. As ambassadors of Jesus, that you and I are called to be, our message, our lives, our everything must flow out of Christ's love. Nowhere else can it be from, because you will burn out, and eventually you will start representing yourself. And I don't know about you, but when I start to represent the kingdom of Dylan, I start becoming a kingdom of Dylan ambassador. It's a pretty terrible kingdom. And people start to recognize that on me. And they start saying, I don't want to belong to that. This guy's kind of selfish. He's kind of mean. If you don't believe me, you can ask my wife, Autumn. She'll say, yeah, the kingdom of Dylan is not, not the place. It's not the place to be. And maybe you feel that way in the room. You're like, man, I really feel like I'm representing myself in a lot of ways and, and I'm carrying the weight of trying to be a good representative, but I'm, I'm carrying that weight by saying I need to do this, I need to do this better, I need to act this better. But I'm telling you, as ambassadors of Jesus, it must flow from a place of Jesus' victory and love. Because only then will we be representing the true and good kingdom. Because it is through and by his love that I am an ambassador. And it is only through and by his love that I can be a true representative of Jesus Christ here. So simply, I want you to be encouraged, church. We are an ambassador of Jesus. You are an ambassador of Jesus here. We must be compelled and controlled by Christ's love only. And we were sent to wherever you live, wherever, maybe you, you're sent in Point St. Charles. You're sent in the plateau. You're sent in the South Shore. You're sent at your schools. Wherever you go, you carry the presence of the King. 
You carry the representation of the home we belong to as Christ's ambassador. And we pray and we root it in Christ's love so that as we go in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our families, that is what's written on our hearts. And when people see, they say, he is representing something. She is representing something that is not of this world. And I've got to know more about this kingdom And then we can share the truth of what Christ has done, that he is reconciling people to him through his work on the cross. Be encouraged with that church. Don't feel the pressure of tasks or things to do to be this better person or whatever it is. I want you to simply rest in what Christ has done for you and the love that will flow out of you as we sit in his presence and receive his love and pour it back out. Let Christ's love control you and push and motivate every act of your life. I'm telling you, you will have a new look on life because your job will no longer be, well, I work at this place or I teach at this school or I learn at this school. Those will be added features on your life, but your job and everything about you will be an ambassador and a representative of Jesus Christ wherever you are. And you'll say, okay, so my job today, I'm to be the ambassador of Jesus. I'm rooted in his love. And I go out, and then I also, I also am learning at school. I'm also working hard to represent Jesus. I'm also teaching well to represent Jesus. Because everything I do must be wrapped in that. that. I have been sent and called to represent him in all aspects of my life. So as we close, I want us to be in... in the state of, of reflection and prayer. And, and if, if you feel discouraged, I pray that, like in this time that you just give that to Jesus and you say, Jesus, wrap me in your love. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I pray that you, in this time you, you, you ask Jesus, you give your life to him, you say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I ask for forgiveness in my life. I want to follow you. And if you want to know more about that, come and talk to us. Message us online. We want you to be simply wrapped in Jesus, ambassadors of him. And as we sing this next song, I pray that you're in a reflection of God saying, God, wrap me in your love. I'd be rooted in you. So let's go to him in prayer.